fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's maria my name's mark i'm jordan and i'm matt yay and welcome to the january round table i hope you're all keeping well and safe you've had a good week this is one of those cool weeks where we throw in uh, a sweet little bonus episode for you we gra- we gather all of the writers from the writing team and we virtually sit round a table a perfectly circular round table and talk about stuff to do with doctor who so last time that uh, the guys jumped on we spoke about our thoughts on the uh, on the on the jody stuff that was wrapping up and uh, but now we have no new doctor who to talk about we're we're free from the shackles of um uh, the recent uh, series 13 13 Yes, I'm getting lots of nods. Yeah, series 13. Yeah. Uh, now we can talk about anything we want to, which is great. So what we're going to do this for this um, month's roundtable is we're, uh, um, we had uh, an idea come in. I think it was from Jordan uh, to say, why don't we do over some recommendations? So for newbies to Doctor Who, uh, fans that maybe have seen some of the Jodie era or have just not dived into Doctor Who at all, um, because it's a big old behemoth of a of a history of, of storytelling across... Uh, multiple decades um let's pick a couple of stories and these will be in our opinion the ones to get started on for various reasons which we will come on to so we've we've each chosen two so one from the classic era and one from the modern era and we will come on to that um in a little bit so before we get cracking and rocking with uh, chatting to these guys and uh at the old round table uh, remember to follow this podcast in your fave podcast app of choice that way you won't miss a show when it lands every friday along with these round tables which we're going to be doing each and every month you can also find all the episodes and listen for free on the website big blue box uk, and you can also read all of the reviews and articles and opinion pieces from these guys on the website as well we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook there are links on the website Plus, you can hop into our free Discord server. Again, there's a link on the site. Jump in there and chat Doctor Who with other Who fans. So, before we get cracking, let's have a catch up with these guys. Jordan, how have you been? Good, sir? I've been very well, thank you. Yeah, you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I think this is the is this potentially the first time we've all spoken since Christmas and New Year. I think so. Other than yeah, in Discord and stuff, so. yeah. So, um, yeah... Uh, it's obviously a bit late at the end of Jan, but did you have a good turn of the new year? And has January treated you well so far? Yes, I think so. I think it's been all right. Good. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> Matt, how have you been, buddy? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, how about yourself? Yeah, all good. Yeah, good, good, good. good. Yeah, back in the swing of yeah. things, recording, chatting, <laughs> recording, chatting, working. Same old, same old. Maria, how are you, my my darling? Um, I'm very well. Um, I've booked my tickets for the uh, London Spring Comic Con, so I'm really excited about that. I had to do something because it's January and it's a long old month, and we get along. uh, It's a long time until we get paid again. So um, yeah, nice. Um, I haven't really done anything Doctor Who related. I have I have watched a couple of um, 
a couple of things. Um, I, I watched some of season three. Um, but, yeah, that's about it. But, yeah, I'm very, very well. Thank you. Cool, cool. Nice one. And, Mark, how have you been, sir? Um, hopefully I stay on this time. I keep kind of disappearing, like <laughs> William Hartnell and the Three Doctors. Um, yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, not too bad. Uh, just working away um, occasionally. Well, I'll be, I'll, I, I guess one thing I've noticed, I've been watching the Eccleston stuff again um, cool. with my uh, significant other, who was only, how old would she have been? 10 or something when it first went out uh, makes me feel incredibly old Jesus because <laughs> it's been 17 years it's so years. Young. It's, it's 17 years since Chris Rattleson was Doctor Who that does make you feel old doesn't it crikey it does yeah has it been 17 years it has, well it will it? be yeah. in a couple of months yeah 26th of March 2005 Indeed. crikey yeah uh, okay, so I'm glad you guys are all well and keeping safe. Um, for the benefit of our listener, there likely will be times where there's a pause of anywhere from three to 30 seconds where one of these guys has either dropped out or they've accidentally muted themselves or something. So bear with. But you know how it goes around here by now. I think this is like the fifth. I'm usually very so, well behaved on the tech side. I don't know what's happening tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Have you guys seen the rumour floating around about Tenant coming back? What's all that about? Thoughts? Because this is a this is a real as far as rumours go, this is out there, like far wow. out there. Really? Is he yeah. coming back? Um, I mean, that would be amazing if he came back. Mm. Uh, excited would would be my my word of the day if he was coming back. Mm. It is a weird one though, right? Because. Normally, the return of Doctors are reserved for things like the the odd special here and there, or like the anniversary thing, where they draft them back and and make some kind of fan servicey story with previous Doctors. But to come back as a fully fledged in series Doctor from before, because I think the rumours based around David Tennant isn't starring and coming back as the fourteenth Doctor. He's coming back as ten, but he's just going to fill the spot of the next series and like pseudo Dr. 14 or something. But yeah, that is a strange wow. one. Didn't know if you guys had seen that though. It's been doing the rounds for the last week. I did see it, but I, I don't think there's going to be much weight behind it mm. because it, it would kind of, to me, it would look like that they haven't got any more original ideas. So they're going to have to rehash what on their previous successes. Um, and they know tenant is a fan favorite. And if it, it just, it strikes me as, trying to keep a sinking ship afloat if you do that <laughs> mm. yeah yeah that's one way as much at. as i'd love to see him back because tenant's amazing but i don't yeah I, I i can't see it happening mark you're itching to uh <laughs> <laughs> no, um so well i've heard an, a, a, a follow-up rumor i guess um you could call it um which is that they're planning a kind of anthology series for next year, which would feature like previous sort of Doctor Who characters, so I wouldn't be surprised because I mean Russell T has said, you know, if he t- if he was in charge of the show now in the age of Marvel, why wouldn't you have like another tenth Doctor series or something like that going alongside the new series? So I wouldn't be surprised if this is some amalgam of a bunch of different things mm. that are happening, and we may have you know Tenant pop back. Yes, 
Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, especially that's a good point, especially in the world that we live in now where um, everything is multiverse and everything is characters coming back all over the place and stuff. So, yes, no, I agree, dude. Jordan, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, I, I don't hate it, but I think I think I agree with Matt. It does sort of, it is a bit like they're sort of, if it is true, they're kind of trying to save a sinking ship a little bit sort of and i'm wondering perhaps maybe part of me wonders that's why they've brought russell t davis back but I, i'm happy to have russell t davis back but yeah no i think david Tennant. i think we'll probably come back from the for the 60th and i think that's sort of where the rumors then spread from but i like that idea of an anthology series actually i think that's a pretty good mm, yeah idea that could work yeah my feeling is i'm i'm not really keen on David Tennant coming back as just as a as a fill in for um for for a, a to stand alone in you know in his own series and just it it would be weird for him to come back and um just I don't know it it would just feel weird to me um so yeah the anthology stuff and like some external story where he's coming back as the Doctor but it's like a you know something that's going on over here a bit like um. I don't know. It's a bit like the Loki stuff with Marvel. You know, it's a character that we thought was done and dusted within the main, the main, uh, what's it called, the Avengers. Um, you know, Infinity stuff. Uh, but then over here on the side, it's like a whole nother series that's running along. So that kind of thing would be cool. But just to come back as the Doctor <laughs> uh, for a for a weird one-off thing would be weird. But I don't know. But yeah, he's been he's been away for quite a long time though, David Tennant. I I think um, you know he's. Um... He's, he's he could probably bring something new to the performance maybe you know he's been away long enough so um yeah i'm not i wouldn't be against it actually mm. okay he's doing a big finish every other week these days isn't he <laughs> i think yeah isn't he doing one with colin baker next year yeah and he's yeah. done like a box set with like sophie aldred and sarah sutton and yeah. I mean, he does have five yeah. kids, so I can't really blame him. For that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dad, are we having Nando's this Friday? Mm. Let me speak to Nick Briggs, see if I can get another contract in. Yeah, Nando should be fine. Yeah. I don't think he's short of a of a penny or two. Um, actually, um, he was in a Marvel thing, wasn't he, David Tennant? Was it the Jessica Jones series? That was it, yeah. As a, as a baddie. He was very scary in there. Yeah, he was, he was good. Very good he, was. he was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I can't remember what it was called. Was he called Kilgore? I think uh, Kilgrave. I Kilgrave. think it was Kilgrave. Man. That's it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah he, was he was fantastic. Man. Not a bad actor, David Tennant. The only thing that I find funny about David Tennant is that he's not shy about wearing his natural character hair outside of filming. So you often see him with like brightly dyed ginger hair or red hair or massive long hair extensions in when he's doing some Shakespeare thing. And he just wears it everywhere. It's kind of funny. But anyways, we're going to crack on, rumours aside, with some of our suggestions for any newbies out there. So if you've if you've just discovered Doctor Who podcasts and you've seen like the odd episode here and there and you're doing a bit of research, like let's Google what episodes to watch of Doctor Who first for a newbie to Doctor Who, that kind of thing, then we've got you covered because we've got some we've got some, quite frankly, some Doctor Who experts on the round table in the writing team. And these guys are looking at me over Skype like, don't say that, Gary. But it's true. These guys know their onions. 
So he wants to kick off first. So let's go with Jordan. What's your... So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to do a classic recommendation and a modern one. So kick us off, Jordan, please, with your classic Who recommendation. Okay. So my classic Who recommendation, and it's going to be a bit strange, and people are probably going to think, <laughs> huh, really? Why, why are you picking that one? Um, I'm going with The Curse of Fenric is my classic Ooh. one. And I think I think mm. both of mine kind of balance each other out quite well. I think it's I think Curse of Emmerich, if you've if you've watched some of the modern stuff, it kind of feels quite modern because it's it's it feels like something Stephen Moffat would have done with Ace kind of creating her own future and Fenric having been there the whole time and things like that. Um, but I also think it's a blooming good story. And there's about three or four different versions of it for you to watch. So, um, it, it I guess it's just up to you really which one which one you want to watch. You've got the original version, you've got the video version, you've got the feature length Blu-ray version. <laughs> there's like three or four. <laughs> but no, I really like the Curse of Fenric. I think it's I think it's a really good a really good story. I was I was talking to my mum earlier. I said I'm doing um, this tonight. And she said, oh, what two stories did you do? I said, and I said, oh, I'm doing a Sylvester McCoy one. And she went, oh, no, I can't stand Sylvester McCoy. But <laughs> the one, the only one that I can think of, she said, what's the one where they're with the wrens and like there's the baby and things like that. So she doesn't even like Sylvester McCoy, but that was the one story. I don't think they are the wrens, but that was the one story that she was describing. So I'm like, I've obviously, <laughs> I've obviously picked a good choice there. That's obviously a good choice. Okay, but yeah, cool. no, Curse of Fenric. The Curse of Fenwick. And that's quite a creepy one as well. That sort of falls into that nice little bucket of yeah. people thinking yeah. that Doctor Who's got a mix of kind of scariness and sci-fi and other bits and pieces. So that definitely yeah. ticks the box for um a little bit creepy here and there. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, anyone object to Jordan's... Obviously, you can't <laughs> object with his opinion, but, you know, anyone thinking, no, that's not a great one, or do you agree that that is a good one? It was the first. Well, no, it wasn't the first McCoy I saw, but it was definitely one of the earliest McCoys I saw, and I fell in love with it. And it's one of my all-time favourite Doctor Who's. And I think it is definitely that thing, like on the surface, like yeah, well, that's way too complex to trust to a new viewer. But actually, you get on board pretty quickly, and you mm. and it's just all part of a mythology that you know, if you're actually interested, you'll go back and mm-hmm. and investigate it. It's just a really solid entertaining Doctor Who story, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Nice. I think yeah. Matt likes this one. Yeah, yeah. The um, That was the first McCoy I ever watched, actually. Um, yeah, The Curse of Fenric, absolutely brilliantly um, laid out story. Uh, Ace, is, Ace is brilliant, and um, yeah, it's creepy. Um, but enough, I don't know, enough fun to go with it to keep you give it a nice mixture i think mm-hmm. it, yeah it's a lovely it's a it's a great story yeah maria if you like this one i think yeah i love the curse of fenric um i mean it is quite an engaging story so um yeah i i think it's a good one i mean it probably shows a one of her more mature moments um you know it, it's it's when she's kind of um, growing up, so actually, it's it's not a bad story for somebody to kind of uh, investigate. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's I think it's definitely got enough meat in there for for somebody that's a casual viewer to enjoy and want to kind of find out more. 
definitely. Cool. cool. Okay. And what's your modern era recommendation, Jordan? Uh, I'm going with, it's a two-parter, so I'm going with The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit, which is another spooky one. Mm. Um, I'm a huge horror fan, which I'm sure you'll get from my <laughs> my suggestions. But that one is kind of, it kind of takes the stuff that the classic series did really well. So you've got your base under siege, you've got your horror stuff, you've got people being possessed left, right and centre. Um, and then it gives it a modern twist. So you've got like black holes and things and, and the devil, which I don't think Doctor Who would have been able to do in the 60s or the 70s or things like that. Um, so it kind of takes elements of the classic series, puts it in the modern format. And I think it proves that those sort of base under siege stuff still works really well. And you've, I mean, the Ood were very creepy when they were first in it. Um, and you've got Gabriel Wolf. So if you like him as the beast, then you can go off and watch him as Sutek in Pyramids of Mars. Mm. Um, but I think, I think that's a brilliant story. Uh, the impossible planet and the Satan pit. And I don't even mind Billy Piper in it because I don't like Rose particularly, but she's not too bad in that one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. What a good recommendation, that two-parter, eh? Maria, do you like these ones? Um, it's a scary one for me. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I would recommend it for a casual viewer. I suppose it depends on, as you say, if you do like the horror kind of side of it. And um, I, I, it, it's quite an adult one as well, I think. And some of the themes, um, you know, obviously around, um, uh, I suppose, faith and religion and... Um, and you know ideas of the devil and stuff like that. It, uh, it's quite an adult one. Um, I, it's a, definitely a good story. I don't know. I don't know if I would recommend it as a first viewing for somebody. Um, I suppose it depends on how old they are and you know whether they'd enjoy it. Um, mm. I, I find it quite an unnerving one, and you know I'm an adult, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So Maria's wussed out because she's scared of this one. But it's a, it's another creepy one, Jordan, for sure. Um, Mark, do you like this two-parter? You'll have to um, forgive me. I, I cut out again, so um, I, I'm gonna guess. Is it the uh, Satan Pit? Hey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. Satan Pit and the Impossible Planet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, um, that's an interesting choice. Actually, it's not one I would have immediately gone to, but I mean, it is. Belt embraces Doctor Who, isn't it? Really, mm. it's yeah. If you want to be like, this is what the show is, then yeah, it's a pretty good example of it. Um, and it is quite creepy, bit of sci-fi, some good aliens, and there's a bit of philosophy to it. Yeah, why why not? Nice, nice. Matthew, what do you reckon? Yeah, I love that two-parter. Um, I think it's it, it balances the creepy with the uh, the story really well. Uh, the ood are fantastic. The first time we meet the ood, I, it, before the before the flux, um, and we had that brief appearance of the ood. Um, I thought they were about due a return. Um, I don't think they were really utilised in flux. Um, they could probably come back for a really cool creepy story again um maybe with some updated kind of uh, new ways that they they sort of turn evil um but who doesn't love a nude and uh, you got sean parks um in there as uh, as the captain who um big finish have just 
uh, added a new story um, and delved into his uh, Torchwood background because um, obviously he was part of the Torchwood archive and uh, that, that was one of the stories that I've uh, reviewed um, recently but yeah it's that's the great thing about these stories is that all of these little details inside them they they can be exploited by the likes of Big Finish and, Sh- and Sean Parks uh, playing the captain is, is one of them I, yeah I love that one nice i love that they can be exploited they can be <laughs> we'll make a few more bucks out of those characters yeah. <laughs> um okay cool um right some good ones there jordan I, yeah i'm definitely feeling the horror creepy vibe from those ones so uh thank you so um listener if you've got kids then yep definitely definitely um uh, stick those on for sure then you will get the whole benefit of the you know, they'll put a cushion up in front of their face or they'll dive behind the sofa. So, yeah, nice one. Uh, okay, let's go to Mark for your recommendations. Classic first, dude. Okay, um, I'm going to go... I, I was, I've been weighing this up and I think I'm going to go with... I mean, both of them are quite basic choices, so I apologise. Um, but I'm going to go with Spearhead from Space. Um, and if nobody else picks my other one, I'll, I'll see what it was at the end. Um so basically, uh, yeah, I think it, it it's a funny one because obviously if you had been watching Doctor Who at the time, <laughs> it's fundamentally not the show that you've been watching up to that point, you know, apart from the TARDIS landing. It kind of upends everything and it's, you know, the Doctor without the TARDIS, the Doctor on Earth, the Doctor stranded. And yet there's still, I think, the architecture of certainly like what Doctor Who has been since 2005 within that kind of that story so i think yeah if you did want to kind of go back and show somebody who's only really been watching the modern series particularly the the rtd and, and chibnall stuff i think it's it's a really good example to kind of demonstrate like where all of that's come from and like what the legacy you know what the legacy is mm, okay and it's just a cracker it's just an absolute cracker like um it never it's never lets up it's got some proper horror in it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I really love it. It's nice great. one. Yeah, it is a belter of a story, this one. And it comes with the added benefit of um, it just looks fantastic for its age yeah. as well. So the Blu-ray releases where, uh, I think because it wasn't filmed on standard videotape, right? It was on... No, it was all filmed on location on 16mm, I think. Yeah. yeah on 16mm yeah. film because there was a strike. That's so right. they had to just yeah. film on location and couldn't film on studio. Mm, so it looks beautiful for its time as mm. well. And it's a bit of a story as well. And it's, it kind of sets a, a slightly different blueprint. I think you were saying that for these stories moving forward. And it does feel almost modern who-ish in its old age. So, yeah, it's a good one, dude. Um, Maria, I think you like this one, don't you? You're a big fan. You guys stole my thunder because that was actually uh, my classic. Uh, choice as well Um, Spearhead from Space Uh, I mean it just seems like such a natural kind of jumping on point for somebody Um, you know coming out of the black and white era obviously um, it starts the Doctor's Exile on Earth and um, I think it was uh, I think it was John Pertwee that said there's nothing as frightening as having a, a Yeti on your loo (laughs) Um, or sitting on your loo in Tooting Beck. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it really starts that era in a fantastic way. I mean, you've got got plastic Hortons that that have, you know, obviously invaded Earth, and you've got the shop dummies coming to life. I mean, it's just kind of 
making it kind of feel really kind of um, like it could be happening. And, um, you know, and there's something about John Pertwee as well. You know, his performance is actually, um, you know, really interesting because he's quite comic, um, but he's also quite an extrovert at the same time. You know, he's got the cape and he's quite flamboyant, you know, and he's, and we've got the brig in it. Um, you know, it introduces Liz Shaw, um, you know, who's a, a independent, strong woman. And she's probably one of the first kind of proper, for women in the show since um, Barbara came in um, into the show, so it's actually a it's it's actually a really good start to you know the 1970s to the colour era, and as you said, you know it's filmed uh, it's on film, so it kind of looks fantastic. You know you could watch it now, and it would just you know it I think it would appeal to somebody that you know has watched the modern era as well. You know I think it's a really good kind of stepping on point to that era you know and and the John Pertwee era is all kind of you know it's a lot of action and um you know he's very kind of James Bond and you know he loves his gadgets and everything so it's a fantastic story cool so we've got a double we've got a double vote for um Spearhead from Space which is cool uh Jordan are you a fan of this one yeah I really like Spearhead from Space it is it is very um you can see that Russell D. Davis took the format of this story. And I mean, really it sort of without spearhead from space, I suppose you wouldn't have the series now. If, if spearhead from space hadn't have been so fantastic. And then that series hadn't have been so good. I don't think you'd have had doctor who particularly now. So I think we've got a lot to thank spearhead from space four mm. and the autons are brilliantly creepy as well so yeah yeah <laughs> nice yeah matt what do you reckon i'll be honest i've only seen this the once and that was quite a while back that's all right it's all right um so but what what i can remember from it it was um yeah it's a really great watch um it it feels like a fresh start um almost the same way they did when matt smith joined it, it felt like a complete revamp almost um and, and the beginning where uh Pertwee just comes collapsing out of the tardis just it just sets off just this this fun romp um i can't really remember much more about it but i just remember finishing up um however many episodes it was and feeling that that was a, a really good episode mm-hmm. yeah if it Story. wasn't a, if it wasn't a regeneration episode it just looks like Pertwee's absolutely tanked yeah he's just absolutely he's had about 20 beers up to that point and he's just collapsed outside yeah so uh yeah good one and what's your um hit us with your modern recommendation then mark um i think matt's a bit ahead of me um the 11th hour um is my oh, modern nice. pick um because i i you know it's i think matt smith i i think he's the first doctor since tom baker to just immediately be the doctor in in that first in those first moments you know um the minute he pops his head out of the tardis and is talking to amelia pond it's just amazing um so as a fan it's a really great relaunch of the show but for somebody um coming to it fresh i think it's a really great jumping on point um it does some stuff that it never does again which is weird like the doctor's 
weird superhero time vision thing, which is strange, uh, which might give people the wrong idea. But um, I think, you know, it's Doctor Who in an English village um, with an alien threat and a race against time. Um, what's not to like, you know? And I think it's it's so well paced as well um, in that it literally, it's, it doesn't quite take place in real time, but it pretty much, you know, it's not far off it really um so it's really pacey keeps you keeps you on your toes keeps you engaged throughout um and there's just some great stunts and olivia coleman's in it you know mm. <laughs> that'll that'll play, please people she's that great will, yeah. she's a national treasure she's um yeah. so yes so i really like it and i think the sort of dynamic between um matt smith and karen gillen in that first episode is just superb um so yeah yeah i'm a big fan of it that's a good choice, that one, dude. And I can assume then that, Matt, you're on board with this one. Yeah, you stole my choice. Oh, was that yours as well? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was I one of mine. I was like, is he, oh, is he going to, oh, no. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, I love that episode. Um, it, the whole thing, it, it's got everything in it. it everything in the, in the kitchen sink is included and everything that you want. Um as, as Mark said, the pacing's brilliant. There's no point where you find yourself checking your phone. Um, that I think it's an hour long. Am I right? Um, and I, yeah, and I think that just goes by a blink of an eye. The the whole redesign, the fresh feel. Um, Matt Smith was the Doctor from the outset, and uh, yeah, I, I loved every every minute of it. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's a belter, uh, Jordan. Are you a fan of uh, Mr. Smith and the 11th Hour? I'm going to be different. And I'm going to... I can see... I, just, I would just say I can see the appeal of the 11th Hour. I can appreciate that it is a it is a revamp and it, it works fantastically. Um, but I think I think when you reviewed it, Gary, when you, when you reviewed it with Adam, and I think I'd said that I must be the only person who didn't like the 11th Hour... Um, I, 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 you know, I can appreciate it. I, it's not one of my go-to stories. I don't think, well, I'll put the 11th hour on. But for what it is and for the, the points that you guys have made, I can I can appreciate it. But it's just one of those stories where I'm like, I don't know why I don't like it. But everybody else does. So it must be good. It must be good. <laughs> well, I think it's rated fairly consistent. I think it's consistently high up there with... Um, one of the modern era's best yeah. episodes, and certainly one of Matt Smith's. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm not saying that you not, have to like it as much as that, but you know, it, it is revered as a as a fairly decent. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. but it's also got Victor Meldry's wife in it, so another bonus. Yeah, Olivia <laughs> Coleman, Victor Meldry's <laughs> wife. They just keep coming. Yeah, yeah. Just as you're saying about Olivia Coleman, Stephen Moffat has gone on record saying that's um, one of his biggest biggest regrets is having the amazing Olivia Coleman in and having her on screen for like two minutes mm. in total. He said, why it's not? It's so funny that, isn't it? Because like, I, I interviewed the director of the 11th Hour a while back and I did ask him, I was like, you know, like, what, you know, you, you cast Olivia Coleman in this sort of quite small role and he was just like, I just thought, why not ask her? <laughs> just why like, not? Yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't mean she can, no, well, I mean, uh, She's got all that Netflix money now, I guess. She's mm. doing like Mitchell's versus the machines and all this stuff. She's probably not likely to come back anytime soon, mm. sadly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Russell might be able to uh, 
I don't know, write a bigger check. Who knows? Some Netflix-sized checks. Maria, what do you reckon to this one? Well, I'm just wondering if me and Mark were kind of separated at birth because he's taken <laughs> he's taken the same choice that I would have had for the modern um, oh, story. No, I, I agree. I think yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I'd agree with the eleventh um, hour. I mean, there are some probably obvious choices um, when you kind of look through the eras. I mean, I, I could have gone for pilot um, with Peter Capaldi or. Um, what's the? Uh, there was another one that I was kind of thinking about as well, but um, and it's gone out of my head right now. But um, I kind of settled on the eleventh hour because I think it's the Matt Smith story that I've probably watched the most, if I'm honest. Um, mm. And I think the reason that I think I picked it as something for a newbie is, um, you know, Matt Smith is quite phenomenal in the amount of energy that he's kind of using in that episode. I mean, if you you know, he kind of, he jumps out of that TARDIS at the beginning and obviously um, he's with um, young Amelia and, and all of that has just got so much energy in it. I mean, the only thing I don't like is that is obviously when he's eating all the different food and kind of some of that is a little bit gross. Um, <laughs> but the the level of performance that he's got is actually phenomenal, you know, and, and he seems to kind of switch very quickly between funny and serious. And I really like the kind of fairy tale aspect of it, you know, especially at the beginning. It's kind of, it's it's kind of bringing a bit of magic back into Doctor Who um, that was probably needed at that time. Um, you know, I love the little girl. I love Caitlin um, Blackwood. Um, I think she's fantastic. Um, you know, it's a relatively simple story. You know, obviously we've got the um, we've got Prisoner Zero. Um, who's escaped and the Atraxia after him. So it's a relatively simple story for somebody that's new to kind of um, get into Doctor Who. And, it, you know, obviously it sets up the team as well for Matt Smith's era, you know, the main team of um, Arthur Darville and Karen Gillan. I mean, I'm not really a great fan of Karen Gillan, really. She's not one of my favourite um, companions but I think the 11th hour is actually a, it's it's actually a really good story and it's very well paced and I think that was you know something that I think would really appeal to a newbie mm. um yeah I think it's got that family feel to it as well um as a as a as a story as well yeah mm, good so a bit confused as to why your Friday not Friday night staple dinner is not fish fingers and custard that's weird that you don't have that because I think we all do. So weird, you're the odd one out. I did try that once actually. Oh, Matt, come on! I did. I was because I was of that age where I think when was it? 2010. <laughs> I was young I was, and reckless. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I was. Well, I would have been 14, maybe a bit too old to actually be trying that sort of thing. But I did it on a whim. Not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, I you... it's, it's... It sounds delicious, actually. I thought you were yeah. going to go with the obvious. Um, it was absolutely <laughs> gross, but okay, you didn't mind it. Cool, cool. Fair days, fair days. Okay, so let me just make sure I'm I'm keeping up to track with this stuff. Then, so, um, uh, Jordan, your classic was the Curse of Fenwick. 
and your modern was the Satan Pit and the Impossible Planet, that two-parter. Um, Mark, yours was um, Spearhead from Space and The Eleventh Hour. Yes. But that's also shared with Maria's um, Spearhead from Space and Matt's modern one, The Eleventh Hour as well. Right. Okay, Maria then. Um, what's your... Did you have a runner-up for Classic, or do you want to go straight in with what your modern one is? Uh, well, my modern one was the 11th hour. Mm-hmm. So, oh, sorry, um, yeah. Sorry. Which, oh, hold on. It was both. I've ruined the podcast. Oh, it was sorry. both. Oh, Mark. <laughs> Every bloody time. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's fine. Um, Any honourable no, mentions? I'm not offended at all. It's fine. I'm, yeah. Um, well, I think um, I, so I I was thinking about pilot, but um, you know, with Peter Capaldi, as I say, um, I I did watch that, but I, and the, and the thing that struck me was I think how 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 much the the writing had kind of improved, if that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's written by Stephen Moffat, um, but it just it just the tone of it just kind of felt so different to the eleventh hour, and I think. I think kind of tossing it up, I kind I kind of thought the eleventh hour was probably a more more kind of fun one for somebody to get into. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, obviously with um pilot there's also um, you know, the the back uh, the backstory with um uh the doctors uh looking after Missy and all that kind of stuff. And um I just I just kind of thought in the end, I thought the eleventh hour was kind of probably a more uh an easier watch if that kind of makes sense although I, I really do enjoy pilot actually i i think um there's some really standout bits in it you know obviously when um you know when they're uh when they're um when they're kind of uh running around um you know and and when the doctor is kind of um he, he seems more comfortable in his own skin, and obviously, you know, with Bill Potts, um, you know, they they kind of build up a really interesting relationship. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. And then, you know, there, there are bits where he's quite funny, as I say, when he's running around and kind of, you know, doing certain things. He's got quite a good um, comic touch, um, Peter Capaldi. So he's quite enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I if I was going to do a second, it would probably be Pilot, but that. That just seemed like the obvious choice, and and I just I just was trying to trying to think of something else that um, I, I don't I don't have any other um, honourable mentions. I okay. think that was the only one I kind of thought of really. Cool, no worries. And okay, so Matt, then uh, now that Mark's ruined yours, also have you got <laughs> um, so have you got an honourable mention for modern, and then what's your your classic? So I, I did have a couple for for modern as well. So I will I will come to that one in a second. But the the first uh, for classic, um, I actually chose upon because I haven't seen all of uh, classic Doctor Who. I'm I'm kind of still working through it. Um, so what I thought would be a a good like just for first time people that maybe have seen knew who as it as it were but and thought no one episode maybe two episodes um for a story and i'm thinking if they're going back and and looking at like well in in like the war games uh places it's 10 parts but not like six parts seven parts um and then they're looking at it and, and it's a little bit daunting have i got time to sit through the entire story um 
<laughs> I, I kind of went with the Sontaran experiment um, hmm. uh, in se- season 12. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's got... It's a fun little romp. It's it's quite it's quite dark actually, with um, with Steyer and his his evil torture that he must inflict upon everybody. Um, and is there a greater pairing than Sarah Jane Smith and Harry Sullivan, um, Ian Martyr, and uh, obviously Elizabeth Sladen? There, I I just think sometimes with companions it can take uh, a, a few stories to get to know them to. To connect with them, but I think with those two, you instantly do. You, they're so down to earth, and obviously, Liz has got this classic, just instant likability to her, and people just—I I don't know anyone that doesn't adore Liz Sladen. Um, and obviously, Ian Martyr was brilliant as Harry. Unfortunately, he didn't last as long as I would have liked on on the show, but. Um, what what he did do was was fantastic, and I think um, I also I also really enjoy that one because it's it's filmed really close to where I live, and it's interesting because I live in Devon, and and Doctor Who's never down here, <laughs> um, so I kind of got a soft spot for that as well, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just I just feel like it's a good jumping on point because it introduces you to classic, however you're not trying to fit in an epic six or seven parts mm-hmm. um into your daily schedule it's 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 just a little bit of classic that you can just slot in mm-hmm. with a cup of tea and a few biscuits and it, it's it's done with and it and you've enjoyed <laughs> it but it's not it's not taken like four odd hours that you've got to try and fit in your day yeah i read you it's a cheeky little two-parter that yeah doesn't take you to too much uh, commitment to, to dive in and um and absolutely correct. It's all with classic. Who it's always a cup of tea, um, depending on the on the time of day. Uh, pre seven pm, cup of tea and a biscuit. Post that, sometimes whiskey, sometimes brandy. Who knows? Who knows? Very much agree. I think you're a dunker, Matt. I mean, you've got to be a dunker. You? Yes. Yes. You, I reckon. I reckon Matt's a dunker. I reckon Maria's a dunker. I reckon Jordan is. Sometimes, depending on the biscuit, Mark, I don't think you are. I could be wrong. How dare you? You are a dunker. <laughs> I mean, Perfect. I am, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. Cool. Jordan? Uh, no, I'm not. <sighs> Even during the war games, you need something. You need a bit of a sugar sugar hit. Well, well that's what gin was invented for. Was... Oh, okay, yep. <laughs> yep. Fair dues. That's a very good point. Yeah, fair dues. <laughs> Um, Maria, you strike me as um as a rich tea slash custard cream type of girl. Oh God, you know me so well, Gary. Yes. Um, yeah, I I have yeah, that would definitely be a rich, rich tea was the biscuit I grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. we had copious um, amounts of tea in my house, and that was the biscuit of choice. Um, custard creams are lovely. I, d- I just take them apart and dunk them, but yeah. Oh, um, you were doing well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You play a risky <laughs> game with rich tea, though, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, you know where you stand you with the rich tea. tea. You know you've only you got two dunks, and that's your lot. You've a cup of tea, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right, where were we? Doctor Who. Right, Matt, what's your runner-up slash honourable mention for modern? Uh, so for modern... Um, 
I, obviously, I was going to go with the eleventh hour. Uh, however, I'm going to go with Partners in Crime. Mm, I think cool. it's just a really fun um, forty-five minutes or or an hour or whatever it is of just pure fun escapism, and it introduces the wonderful Catherine Tate, who um, anybody who may have been slightly reserved about her uh, after watching her in The Runaway Bride um, and knowing that and just thinking she's going to be, oh, she's going to be so comedic and it's going to be awful. Uh, You watch this and then, well, they've got no more to say apart from brilliant, have they? It's (laughs) it's absolutely um, a a lovable hour of of just pure entertainment. Um, It's got the classic Monster of the Week. It's got the TARDIS, it's got the Doctor and Donna and and um, and laughter and fun and I just I just think it's got it all. Um, nice, yeah, and, and it's a great jumping on point. Cool, yeah, it's a really good. We had a lot of thumbs up there as you said that one, and uh, I think it's important. What's um, you guys have absolutely nailed it um, so far with these because I was really hoping that you guys would pick nice kind of isolated stories like these that don't require huge amounts of exposition and backstory and all that stuff so you guys you guys read the brief perfectly which is good so yeah partners in crime what a real that's just a you can't help but smile i think for 90 percent of that of that episode that's a good one jordan i think you like this one i saw a little smile there yeah no i like i like partners in crime it's one i watch fairly regularly it's one of them the ones i watch from series four quite a bit but i i love Catherine Tate. So I love Donna. So <laughs> she's I think she's my favourite modern companion. So it is one that I go back and watch quite a bit. Hmm. Nice. Maria, are you a partner in crime or not? Yeah, I do like partners in crime. I must admit, I'm not a great fan of um, is it Sarah Lancashire. Mm-hmm. Um, so aside from that, I think the rest of it is fine. I mean, who can... Who can not forget the phrase, the fat just walks away? I mean, that's kind of embedded in my brain every time I think about that story. Um, so, you know, it, it is actually quite a funny one. Um, and I agree about Catherine Tate and David Tennant. I mean, there's quite a lot of coincidence in it. Um, obviously, you know, where they keep missing each other. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a good one. Um, it's not one of my favourites of um, Catherine Tate's, but um, yeah, it's a perfectly good story. I think yeah, it's probably a good jumping on point for somebody um, if they wanted to, you know, get, uh, get into Doctor Who. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Mark, you like this one, I'm sure. I adore it. I think mm. it's great. Um, it's yeah, it's just really funny. Um, David Tennant and Catherine Tate. I think what I like about it is that it's the only. Russell T. Davis compared to, well, actually, the ninth Doctor and Rose is arguable, um, but it's the only sort of Russell T. Doctor and companion that there isn't, there's no romance. It's just pure friendship. And mm-hmm. it's, and the chemistry that those two have together is just amazing. You know, it's no accident that they then went on to do like plays together and host radio shows together and David Tennant turned up on the Gaffin Tate show and all that kind of thing because they clearly work together so well. And there's, there's, I think, you know, what really sells Doctor Who to a viewer is a really strong Doctor and companion pairing, and they are absolutely that. And also, Bernard Cribbins waving to them as they fly off at the end <laughs> makes me cry every time. Oh, 
Yeah. No, you're absolutely right on that, dude. I think that's one of the things that not just sells that episode, but though that series with them two together, the chemistry is so good. And uh, yeah, I think they did. I think they did quite a few things. I, I remember seeing them on the Graham Norton show together, and then the play. I think it, was it Much Ado About Nothing, and then something else they did together. I think he was on her show after that. So there was just like a two-year period where it was just them two doing everything together, which is a uh, for good reason. Yeah, they're really good. There's a really funny. Um, there's a really funny episode of I think it's Never Mind the Buzzcocks, um, where is it? Is it that, or is it Have I Got News for You, or something like that? Where David Tennant's hosting it, and Catherine takes on, and he starts quizzing her on Doctor Who news and and related things, and she's just got no idea. <laughs> it's, it's it's hilarious. If you if you can check it out, check it out. It's brilliant. Oh, cool. I think that might have been Buzzcocks. I think I could be wrong, but I think so. My favorite Catherine Tate story is where she thought the Sontarans were just props. A little robot props, but it wasn't until somebody took a helmet off that she realised there were actually people in there in the suit. Back of the neck, yeah. <laughs> right, so to keep track then, um, Curse of Fenric from Jordan and uh, The Impossible Planet Satan Pit. From Mark, we had Spearhead from Space, The 11th Hour. From Maria, we had Spearhead from Space and The 11th Hour. And Matt, we had... Um, uh, the Centauran Experiment and Partners in Crime. So, so far, listener, all good. Cracking ones. I'm going to rattle through my ones really quickly um, because, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about mine too much because um, mine are a couple of curveballs. So my classic one is Pyramids of Mars. And the reason why I chose that one is because it's uh, whenever you're researching as a newbie into Doctor Who, you will inevitably find a lot more information around Tom Baker and the fourth Doctor in Classic Who. So you may as well jump into one of his stories anyway. There's a reason why they are so highly rated and um, and he's such a popular Doctor. So if you've not dived into Classic yet, check out Pyramids of Mars. It's a great little, uh, it's not too long, it is a four-parter. So it's not you know, diving into the realms of... Um, uh, some of the crazy six or seven parts, but it's it's a very cool, isolated little story. You don't need to know anything about um, Gallifrey particularly. You don't need to know anything about the Time Lords really. Uh, it's just the Doctor and a companion. A little bit like we were saying with um, with David Tennant's Doctor and Catherine Tate. There's none of this silly, you know, blinking, flirting, and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, it's just a good old isolated one. And the baddie in Pyramids is very, very good. It's a very good. Um, uh, back and forth uh, between the Doctor and the Baddie. And it's got some really cool uh, little side um, monsters in it as well. Whenever you see anything about Doctor Who, especially classic, you have typically have the main um, protagonist, the, the Baddie. But then you also have these weird kind of little strange monsters dotted here and there and um, the mummies and how they're designed and how they look and stuff. It's a, it's a very cool little... Uh, not really scary, I wouldn't say. It's not really a scary, creepy one, but it's definitely suspenseful and stuff. So uh, Pyramids of Mars is my classic choice. And for modern Doctor Who, um, uh, I've gone with The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances from Eccleston's era. Uh, and I think I've gone down a similar road to you guys with some of your choices around being relatively creepy in a way and having that nice balance of sci-fi and creepiness and and some coolness going on. But I think the performances in those two stories are absolutely brilliant. And it also introduces a little wee bit of sort of external stuff that you can look forward to later with Captain Jack and some other bits there. 
Um, and Rose isn't particularly whiny in this one, and she isn't particularly overly flirty and moany and stuff. It's a pretty good one with her and the Doctor. And it's a really good feel-good one as well. At the end of The Doctor Dances, it's a really good smiley feel. And Eccleston's just amazing in those two uh, stories in particular. So any complaints on those ones, guys? Or is that a thumbs up? It's a oh no, I think those are brilliant choices, um, Gary. Yeah. I know. Yeah, they're, I know. they're brilliant the, the choices, um, especially Pyramids of Mars. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a belter. Yeah, yeah. Part four drags a bit though. <laughs> well, yeah, very true. This is classic. Who we're talking it is about? It's very good, but that's the yeah. that's the sort of thing that we don't always talk about when we talk about Pyramids of Mars. <laughs> Is that yeah? It's a belter, but the uh, drags on a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, dear listener, that's one thing to bear in mind. With the newer stuff, it's not too bad. The most you'll have to sit through is fifty minutes of Doctor Who. With classic Who, you're talking a couple of hours. So there's inevitably, inevitably going to be a, a wee bit of slowdown sometimes. I always, I always suggest though, like with with classic Who, because I've started doing it myself, and actually, it's, I think you just get so much more from it. Is watching it like an episode a night. You know what I mean? Don't because it was never designed to just all be binged in one go. It was, it was designed yeah. to be like a weekly thing. I mean, obviously, if you got the war games, you're not going to probably drag that out <laughs> over two weeks, are you? But yeah, Matt. <laughs> if you've got, you know, if you've got the time, why not sort of split it out over a couple of days? It's always quite, quite entertaining to do that. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Understood. Point understood. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to recommend the War Games, Matt, when you were discuss- when you went into it, and I was like, "Is he going to? Is he? Is he going to? He might." No, he's not going. Do you want to know what it looks like uh, to unscrew a screw from a revolver, then screw it back in, and then unscrew the screw from the revolver, and then screw it back in again? Magic. <laughs> Magic indeed. Oh, Gary, I was sure you were going to pick Sleep No More. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> wow! So yeah, um, we're supposed to be recommending recommending good stories for newbies to get them oh, hooked sorry. on Doctor Who, Matt. Not to give them a, a bit of a "What the hell is this?" I'll see you later. Uh, kind of got thing. You. I must have misheard you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we could have. I'm. I'm pretty sure there's probably. If I'd have said to you guys, I want sort of half a dozen stories. Um, across classic and one who you probably could have easily, um, uh, you know, given me some really good examples. There's a, there's actually um, uh, a, a ton of good stories to, to dive into. But I think you guys have, have really nailed it and have picked some some really cool, great stories. So um, yeah, listener, I hope you've had a pen and pad uh, if you've not watched uh, much uh, Doctor Who. Typically, what we find actually is. Um, Take note of the classic ones because there's uh, loads of people. It's a common thing. It has been for, for, for years, probably decades, where you've watched a bunch of new Doctor Who and you really like new Doctor Who. But for some reason, no idea what it is. You just haven't had the inclination to look at, at classic Who. But it's there's, uh, I think you guys agree, will agree, as an absolute goldmine of some amazing, fantastic Doctor Who stories and, and some storytelling there. So, yeah, t- uh, take note, especially of the classic ones if you've not dived into any classic Doctor Who. Right, I think we'll stick a pin in it there, guys. It's a good time to uh, to wrap it up for the January roundtable.
it's a lovely thing watching you guys bop along it's a beautiful thing so that has been the uh, the roundtable for this month. Uh, I hope you have, um, if you've not dived into any of these stories and you're looking for some recommendations, I really hope this has helped you. And um, I might do a I might do a wee blog post actually and put all these guys' stories in there so you guys can go back and maybe I'll ask these guys for a couple more so you've got a decent little um, a decent little list to dive into. So uh, it's been wonderful, guys, to chat to you all again for this month, Maria. It's been really good. <laughs> Maria. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> thank you very much, Jordan. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Matthew. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And Mark, it's been good, dude. Thank you very much for having me again. And very quickly, where to find you guys? So, um, sticking with you, Mark. Um, you on the Time Lash podcast, as always? Um, yes, you can. You can listen to on the Time Lash um, podcast. It's uh, much sort of more swearier and badly behaved Russian basically. <laughs> um, it's a good so listener. Yeah. yeah, check it out. Um, and Matt, uh, I don't think you're on another podcast, but you certainly write for our for our website. Yep. I do indeed. I've got another article coming out shortly. Indeedy. Very cool. Jordan, you write for us and a few other places. Yep, yep. So I write for the Doctor Who Companion. Um Doctor Appreciation Society and my own website, TARDIS Traveller Reviews. Indeedy, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And Maria, and Maria, you write for us, don't you? I do indeed. Um, I should be having another article out um, hopefully in the next week or so. So, um, yeah, I love writing for this website. So, (laughs) very exciting. Nice, nice. Uh, so um, until next month uh, I have no idea what we're doing for next month's uh, roundtable as yet but we'll keep you guys posted so uh, have a look on the old socials for that but until next time remember to go- don't do it this has to be done correctly and you got it. You nailed it last time so here we go until next time remember uh, uh.